following is a continuation in our series looking at the lies that Satan tells us. We hope you enjoy. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we ask for your grace to be upon us, Lord. So be with us as we look to the scriptures to see how we are to be in community, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So Martin Luther, the reformer, once said this, and I think this is a helpful way of looking at how we serve as the church. He says that we are all mere beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. I think this is a great way to describe the church. Another way to word it would be that we are all sinners showing each other where to find grace and forgiveness. But the church isn't always a place that's rosy and beautiful. The church makes mistakes. It does so because the church is full of sinners. The church can bite. The church can hurt its people. It can hurt visitors. And this causes many to push it off. But this is where Satan wants to insert another lie into our hearts. And maybe the church has hurt you. Satan wants you to think you don't need the church. This is where cancel culture comes in. You know, if there's something toxic or something that doesn't jive with you, you need to just get it out of your life. Maybe the church has disappointed you. Maybe it's been a burden to you in the way you want to live. Maybe the church seems boring or not cool enough. Satan wants you to say you don't need it anymore. These are the progressions that Satan wants you to work through. However, Jesus would disagree. So tonight we're going to look at the church. And we're going to see that we were never intended on living life apart from the community of the body of Christ. We were never intended on living apart from the community of the body of Christ. I want to start by looking at... The fact that the church is where Christ works. Now, it's important for us to define what the church is. In theological terms, we use the terms visible and invisible. Okay, the invisible church is God's people throughout the scope of time. Okay, and the visible church is the people who are on the earth right now, like as part of God's living community. And... It's important for us to understand that because we can mistake things for the church, okay? Many good things for the church. Something like Reformed University Fellowship or Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Campus Crusade for Christ. All these things are fantastic ministries and they're great, but they are not the church. They're extensions of the church going to schools, going to campuses. And I don't want you to think that the church is like this building. You have to go because it's important for you to be in the building. Like, I'm, I'm less concerned about that and more concerned about how you view the church. Do you view it as this thing that you have to do or something that you have the privilege of doing? Right? The church is a place where Christ wants you to be, whether it's here at this church or whether it's at another church. I just want you to be sitting under the ordinary means of grace. The church is where Christ works. So turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4, 7 to 16. And the Apostle Paul writes this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? 
He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of Christ, until we all attain it to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the whole body build itself up in love. In Matthew 16, Jesus tells Peter, and he's talking about the fact that he is the Christ. He says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Christ's whole goal on this earth was to establish his kingdom, and this kingdom would see itself play out in the church. So here in Ephesians, we see that his intent in building the church was for it to be a gift. When he ascended, he gave us this gift. So the work of the church, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of the church? A proper understanding of this question helps us combat this lie that the church is unnecessary. See, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers for the purpose of equipping believers for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. See, Christ is working on everybody in the room, not just the ones who are leading. He's working on everybody. The teachers were called to equip the people so that they could go out and do ministry. That's the whole purpose of the church. It's where we learn and grow together. It's where we're challenged and strengthened. Called to have unity of the faith. The church is to strive to help one another, to seek that unity and the knowledge of the Son of God. We press on together, as Paul says, towards mature manhood, towards the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What Paul means here is that we're making each other more like Jesus. And that's a huge task. Paul tells us the benefits of that. The benefits is that we move away from this immaturity. We move away from being like children, which he describes as being tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I love this language here because it reminds me of this past summer when we went down to Galveston. We started out in this one area. It seemed like like two or three minutes later, it's almost like we were a mile down the beach because the waves were just pushing us all the way more and more and more it was powerful right that's that's the kind of language he uses here that when we're not grounded and we're not strengthening one another we're going to be tossed around like a wave and part of the way we do this and this is so much easier said than done but part of the way we do this is that we speak truth in love now have any of you ever had someone tell you something that was very true but it really hurt you Or have you ever had somebody show you a lot of grace and love when you really just needed a swift kick in the butt? Part of the challenge of being part of Christ's church is to find that sweet spot of doing both. As we move away from this childlike faith, we are called to hold each other to a high standard while also being gentle and tenderhearted. This is why Paul says that the opposite of being children is that we speak truth in love. 
What this means is that part of the role of the church in your life is to hold you accountable for the things you do. This is why we have things like church discipline. Okay? And please know that any good elder takes no joy in church discipline. It's not like the elders are sitting at the session meeting thinking about all the ways that they can cast down judgment and point out all the sins of the people. No, that's, it, they take no joy in that. But they do take joy in seeing someone restored in their faith. Seeing someone living in sin and then walking away from that sin and, and turning to Christ. That is the greatest joy of an elder. Church discipline might hurt, but it means the church is doing its job. And truth can hurt. This is why we must speak the truth in a loving, gracious way. But the truth of God in the Bible, again, it molds us into being more like Jesus. And Paul urges us to grow up in every way who him, into him who is the head, into Christ. See, when Jesus equips us through the church, what he's doing is he's making sure that we are doing exactly what he wanted us to do. That's why when each part that's one of us is working together, it makes the whole body, the church, grow. So that it builds itself up in love. It's this beautiful cycle. And it's necessary. And so the church is where Christ works, but community is absolutely necessary. I've heard a lot of people say things to me like, I love Jesus, but I just don't care for the church. Or I don't need the hypocrites of the church to tell me how to follow God. Or my relationship with God is private. I don't need people to tell me how to worship my God. And yes, we can say those things, but all of them fly in the face of God's plan for the world. See, we were never meant to fend for ourselves in our Christian walk. In fact, I would venture to say that most of you would not do well with that, because none of us would. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read a fairly lengthy passage, so bear with me. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26. And it says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would there be a sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in that body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. 
If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's a lot going on in this passage, but I want to highlight just a few things for us. The church is a body, okay? The church is a large entity. And this entity is joined together by one common denominator, and that common denominator is Christ. In verse 13, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So Paul uses this example of body parts trying to exclude themselves. Okay, It's just not possible. See, my hand can't look at me and tell me that it no longer wants to be a part of my body. One, because it's a hand and it can't talk, but two... It can't consciously think through that, right? And even if my hand did have the ability to talk or consciously think through that decision to not want to be a part of my body, it still can't get away from the fact that it is part of my body and needs me to function, right? This means that even if we think we don't need to be a part of the body of Christ, we can't get away from the fact that we are part of it. And God has made us to be a part of it. We are different than hands because, yes, we can actually walk away from the body of Christ. But this illustration serves to show us how unhelpful that would be. If I cut off my hand to make it independent, it physically would not be able to function, right? My hand needs my brain in order to move its fingers. As goes for the church, if we don't think we need the body of Christ, then we will not function the way that Christ intended for us. We'll not be walking in life like he calls us to. Yes, we can have personal Bible time. Yes, we can watch a church on a screen. Yes, we can have personal worship. But Christ did not die on the cross to save you from your sins in order for you to go on a solo mission in your sanctification. So we are called to be part of the church. Many parts of the body, but all are are very important as well. Maybe you've had a hard time thinking about how God could use you in the church. Maybe you don't think he can. But this is why Paul says in verse 22, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Would you describe yourself as an indispensable part of the work that Christ is doing on earth? Jesus would describe you this way. We all have a role, some big and some small. But all of us have ways to serve the church. Service. Teaching, hospitality, technology, music, prayer, making food. All these are ways that you can serve Christ's church. He wants us to do so together because division is of absolutely no help to a body. Have you ever had a group project where one person never seemed to do their portion? That person will probably end up getting a worse grade than you, and your teacher may know that they didn't do a good job, so they'll probably reward you for doing your portion of the work. But the actual project itself suffers, right? The whole scope of your particular project, it's going to have holes. It's not going to feel complete. There's a common goal of the church to grow one another. And if we neglect that, if we're being divisive, if we're running away from the church, then not only are we missing out on the benefits of community that we get to experience, but we're also robbing people of the joy of their roles in that community 
as well. And that's kind of a weird thing to think about, but, but truly think about that. If someone's gifting is hospitality and you're running away from community, you're taking away an opportunity for them to be hospitable. If someone's gifting is teaching and you're running away from that community, you're robbing that person of their gift of teaching to you. So we're called to be with one another. Jesus doesn't want division in the church from its members. This is why he says in verse 26, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Earlier I mentioned someone who says, I love Jesus, but I don't care for the church. I've actually had somebody say this to me before. A good friend of mine said, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Now, if you think about the way that Jesus describes his relationship with the church, it's that of a groom and his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. He's fully committed to her. So a statement like, I love Jesus, but I don't care for or I hate the church. It's like coming up to me and say, Tree, I love you, but I hate your wife. This would mean I would have a hard time in relationship with you if you told that to me, because I love my wife greatly. And even more than that, Jesus loves his bride greatly. He loves his church, despite her flaws, despite her weaknesses, despite her ability to hurt other people. He loves his church. So when Satan tries to convince you that you don't need the church, he does so by trying to paint the bride of Christ as this ugly, hurtful, irrelevant thing. And yes, though the church may not be perfect, while it has caused hurt to people, while it may not be exactly what we want it to be, Christ still loves it with an unconditional love. We do need the church because we're all broken. We all hurt one another. Going back to what Martin Luther said earlier, we are all beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. So even in sin, we must be leaning into the church because if we are doing exactly what Jesus calls the church to do, then we will be showing others where to find grace and mercy and salvation. We grow in our walks with Christ no better than we do in community. We're going to take some time unpacking this in our small groups. But before we break for those, let me pray for your time. Heavenly Father, I come to you and just ask you, Lord, to work in us, Lord. Show us a greater love and appreciation for the way that you work on this earth. Show us a greater love and appreciation for your church. Help us, Lord, to wrestle with our role within the church, whether that's here or somewhere else. Uh, We all serve a role. We all have giftings, Lord. Help us to better understand what those giftings are so that we can see how we can serve you best. I pray that you would be with our small groups tonight as we go and discuss these things. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.